0: Which brings us to our text today. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7, and then 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Again, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. Today's sermon is titled Ownership versus Stewardship. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading. Of God's holy word. The Lord Jesus once said. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. 1 Corinthians 4. 1 through 7. This is how one should regard us. As servants of Christ. And stewards. Of the mysteries of God. Moreover it is required of stewards. That they are found trustworthy. With But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one of one against another. And listen closely to verse 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And then secondly, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, the grass will wither, the flowers will fall, but the word of our God, it will stand forever. Let's pray together. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come before you, our great King, our sovereign God, and we confess that the earth is the Lord's. We confess that you are the sovereign owner of all things and by your grace you have given us gifts. And Lord, today as we dive into this topic of stewardship that the Bible gives us such a clear teaching on, Lord, may our hearts and minds be open to receive your teaching from the word that we might be equipped and established and able to steward the things in our lives in a way that is pleasing and honoring to Thee. Bless this time, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, please be seated. Let's take a moment and think with me about three different things in your lives. First of all, let's talk about our time Then secondly, our treasures, or excuse me, talents, and then our treasures, our time, our talents, and our treasures. You know, first of all, time. You know, every one of us has 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week. We have 52 weeks in a year. And for many of us, God has given us several years. Think about our talents Maybe some of you have the talent of being a great salesman or a wonderful homemaker. Or or maybe your talent is to play the piano or to put a ball through a hoop. Or maybe it's just to be a great mom or dad, whatever it might be. Think about your treasures, your possessions. Do you have a home or a car or a computer or, or a phone? You know, we all have been given a certain amount of time, talents, and treasures, but let's take it to the next question, shall we? Where did your time, your talents, and your treasures come from? Where do they come from? You know, when we think about our time as Christians, we go right back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, God actually spoke time and existence into being we think about when god created the days right the sun rising and the sun setting the first day the second day the third day that god created in six days and then rested on the seventh we can certainly say that time is a gift from god he created it it was god who created time and god gave it to adam and eve he gives it to us Well, let's go to the next one, talents. Where did your talents come from? Again, as Christians, we go right back to the Bible. We remember what James said in James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift, or every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Think about this. God says that our talents come down from Him down to us. That God is bestowing upon us these gifts, these talents. So again, we see the origination of our talents is God Himself. What about our treasures? Maybe you have a lot of land or you have... Many cars, many homes, many possessions. Where did they originate? Did they originate with you or did they originate with God? Were even not all of our possessions given to us by God? The psalmist is clear in Psalm 50. He says, Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. This is God speaking saying that all of creation is, is his, and if we have a treasure, it didn't originate with us, it originated with God giving us that treasure. So friends, as we recall our time, our talents, and our treasures, you know, sometimes it's very easy for us to think about those things in terms of ownership. We own our time. We own our talents. We own our treasures. We think about all of those things originating with us. But instead, we should see them as gifts coming from God. You know, it's easy to embrace a very selfish model when we think about these things in terms of ownership. If, if if we owned all of those things, we could say, you know what? It's a since since I own all of these things and these things originated with me, I'm going to decide how how I should use my time, my talents, my treasures. I'm not going to think about God in this at all because all of this originated with me. But friends, the Bible comes to us today and it teaches us a completely different philosophy about our time, our talents. And our treasures. In fact, instead of ownership, the Bible teaches us stewardship. Matt read just a moment ago from First Peter, he said, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So let's talk about this. what, what is a steward compared to an owner? So an owner, you know, has his hands wrapped around something because he owns it and he has a firm grip on it, but a steward, he has his hands open and a steward is not an owner, but the steward manages what the owner has in a way that is pleasing to the owner. A steward is like a house manager. He does not own the house, but he directs the affairs and the possessions of the house in accordance with the will of the owner. And did you know that from time to time, even stewards have to give an account of their management? In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, if you still have that text open, in your Bibles. Look down at verse 1. Do you see that Paul calls himself not an owner, but a steward? First Corinthians 4.1, Paul says, I am a steward of the mysteries of God. And he teaches us that as a steward, he has to give an account. To who? To King Jesus. He knows, in fact, he says that his account isn't really to be given to, to man, but he has to give an account to Jesus himself. And if you'll notice in verse 7 of this text, the last verse I read from chapter 4, Paul asks a question that I want every one of us to see today. And it's this question that needs to be the heartbeat, the guide. To your understanding and my understanding of stewardship versus ownership, it needs to be the heart and the guide to this text today. You ready for it? Here it is. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Friends, as we continually ask this question... I want you to see three specific points in our text today. The first one, we're going to talk about ownership. The second one, we're going to talk about stewardship. And then the last one, we're going to talk about how that affects giving. If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's not a an outline. There's more of a big message <laughs> from me. It's a kind of a summary of the sermon. So some of you can just read that, go, and, and you're done for the day. But... If you'll honor the time by staying, uh, that would be great. But I do hope that you can take that paragraph or paragraphs home, and it would be helpful to you. But let's first of all, let's, let's talk about ownership. Oftentimes, again, we get this sense of ownership. I'm going to call it personal origination. Personal origination, that our time, our talents, and our treasures personally originated with ourselves. We have that idea. But in the face of that, the Bible comes to us and says something completely different. It, it, it tells us not only about ourselves, but about God and who really owns things, who, what, where things really originate. And it says that the whole earth belongs to the Lord, not to man. So this is going to be the third time you've heard this verse today. Matt read it in our call to worship. Chris re-read it when he did the God at work. So God wants us to hear this verse today. This is Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell in it. Friends, the Bible is very clear. Since God created all things, everything belongs to him. God is the owner. Let's think about it this way. When God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden. But did that garden belong to Adam and Eve? Like, did they, Did they own it? Or were they called to steward that garden? You see... If they owned it, God couldn't kick them out of it. Right? If they owned it, if they went somewhere, they could take it with them. But they didn't own it. Because God asked them to leave the garden and they couldn't take it with them because they weren't owners. They were stewards. The thing the same thing is true for us today. Think about this. Have you ever changed jobs? You ever had one job and then moved to another? When you when you changed jobs, did, did you take your desk with you? Did you take the carpet with you? Did you did you take anything with you? No. If you did, go give it back because it's not yours, right? Uh-oh, I stepped on some some toes there. But think about it. You didn't take anything with you because you didn't own that. You were stewarding those things when you were at that job. And you moved to a second job, and now you're stewarding new things. You couldn't couldn't take it with you. You just used it for a time. And you might say, Adam, wait a second. I've got an area where I definitely own something. What about my house? What about my private property? I own that. Because when I sell my house, I take the proceeds. When I sell my private property, I take the proceeds. Isn't that different? And I'll say, you know what? Within the context of your life, it might be a little bit different because you can take it with you for a little bit. But I have a question for you. When God calls you home, are you going to take it with you? Have you ever seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse? I know what you're going to do now. You're going to Google that. You're, someone's going to send me a picture of a U-Haul attached to hers. Can you take those proceeds from your home, from your car, from your private property with you to heaven? You can't. Here's what Job said. You heard it earlier. Hear it again. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, we're not owners. We're stewards. Paul says it this way when he writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. When the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, you know what he tells them? I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I don't even own myself, Paul says. Because Lord Jesus sits on the throne of my heart and I don't get to tell myself what to do because the Lord Jesus owns me. I'm his. He bought me with a price. Therefore, I'm going to glorify God and steward my life in my body not by by what I want to do but, but what God wants me to do because God sits on the throne of my heart. That'll preach. Hey, I'm preaching. That's good. One commentator said it this way, great quote, listen to this, it's not on the screen, just listen. The whole idea of ownership stops when we see the temporary nature of this world and the short-sightedness of possessions. And we start to understand the eternal nature of God and the ownership He has over all creation. And as we continue to study the Bible's view of God's ownership, not ours, we learn that everything we have is not from ourselves. There's no original origination or personal origination, but everything is from God. James 1.17, you heard it a moment ago, hear it again. Every good gift, not some or part of every good gift, every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights it comes down it doesn't personally originate with us god sends the gifts the talents the time the treasures he sends them down in fact paul in ephesians says jesus is the one who takes these gifts these spiritual gifts and hands them to his church why it goes back to this verse Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's. It's His. Okay, so how do we apply this to our lives? Let's get to that part. Where does the rubber hit the road? Let's look at it in our time, our talents, and our treasures. If you have time, it's because God Himself Gave you the minutes, the hours, and the weeks, and the years. If you have a talent, it's because God gave you that talent. If you work or play a sport or play the piano, whatever it might be, God gave you the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the hands to hold, the voice to talk, the feet to run, the hands to work. Friends, if you have a treasure... It's because God provided it for you. God gave you the means to which you could get that treasure. Yes, whether it's a car or a house, God gave you the mercy, the grace, the ability to get that debt, to get that treasure. And friends, there's a question that should come running to the top of our minds when we consider this. We'll put it on the screen. What's the question? What do you have? That you did not receive You see that question Just blasting out here In verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 4 Everything we have Has been given to us by God Every second Every skill Every possession Has been given to us by God He's the owner we're not All good and perfect gifts Come from Him Okay, That's ownership So here's the question If God's the owner, what are we? This is the second point. Stewardship. Let's look at the biblical teaching of stewardship as we get to this second point. Reminder of what Matt read to us a moment ago, 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So a little repeat, an owner owns and has a tight grip on things, hands closed because he's holding on to it. A steward manages, that means he has open hands, okay? He, He doesn't hold on to it because it's his, he takes what the owner gives him and he manages it in a way that is delightful to the owner. In the Bible, where do we see this? Maybe the best example is, is Joseph. Think about Joseph. and He may, may be a, a steward in, in two, two very distinct ways. First of all, he was a steward for the house of Potiphar. And he managed things in a way that was pleasing to Potiphar. And then after a time of trial, God raised him up and he became second in command in Egypt. He was a steward for Pharaoh, not an owner of Egypt. He saw Pharaoh as more than one in charge, and Joseph managed things in Egypt in a way that was pleasing and pleasant to Pharaoh. And man, didn't he do a good job of that? In much the same way, friends, we as believers, once we learn This ownership lesson that everything is the Lord's and everything that we have as a treasure or talent is a gift from God. We learn that we're not really owners, but we are stewards of the gifts that God has given us. And as stewards. We need to take what the owner owns. The owner is our, our God, our divine king. And when God Takes something that he owns and he he gives it to us, whether it's a time, a talent, or a treasure. We have to take that and say, okay, God wants me to manage this in a way that's pleasing to him. Because you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And also helpful to others. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Do You see where the two greatest commands come into play here? That when God has given you a time, a talent or a treasure, you look up and say, God, how do you want me to manage this? And he tells us in his word, right? And God, how can how can I take these things and be a blessing to others? How can I love my neighbor as myself? You see the God, you see the gospel coming out here in stewardship. For again, I ask you this question, we'll put it on the screen. What do you have that you did not receive? So let's kind of look at the negative and the positive way. You know, Here's the way that we shouldn't do it. We should never say, hey, since I own this, I need to decide how I'm going to use it for myself. But what should we say? God, since you gave me a gift, <laughs> since you blessed me with something, Lord, how can I take this and how can I honor you with it? How can I steward it well and manage it well? And how can I be a blessing even to other people? Friends, do you see the difference? The idea of ownership leads to selfishness. It leads to this idea of personal origination. But that's ownership. But stewardship teaches us that everything we have is a gift from God, our time, our talents, and our treasures. We are called to steward our time, talents, and treasures in a way that pleases God and is helpful to our neighbor. So this brings us to our final point. I don't you love it when the pastor says that? Hey, do y'all know what it means when a pastor takes his watch off and puts it on the pulpit? Do, do, do y'all know what that means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but really, this is the final point. How does this affect giving? Well, since the Bible teaches us that all things are God, since God has called us not to be owners but stewards and to manage our possessions in a way that's pleasing to him, helpful to others, how should we give? Well, let's look at it negatively and positively again, okay? Negatively. We shouldn't say this. These are my finances, so I'm going to decide exactly how I'm going to use them. What is that? That's closed. Like you're closing down on it, right? You're, you're holding it tight because you think you own it, right? And in personal origination, I did this, so I'm in charge. Okay? That's the world's way of of, of teaching. I'm not sure I understand. Did y'all hear? <laughs> I'm never doing that again. <laughs> wow. Hey, seminary doesn't prepare you for that. <laughs> Man, okay. So that's how we shouldn't do it. But what we should say is, God, you've blessed me with finances. You, you, you've given me these, this, this time to, to make money, the talent to do it, and, you, and you've put these finances in my account. First of all, Lord, thank you. Secondly, Lord, how can I steward this well? How can I manage this in a way that's pleasing to you, the owner? Because I'm not the owner, God. God, I may have acted like the owner. And God, if, if I have, forgive me for that. Because I now realize I'm not the owner. I, I, I don't hold things. I can't, I can't hold things with, with closed fists. I, I got to have open hands realizing that I'm stewarding not owning. God, how can, I, how can I take what you have given me and how can I honor you in giving back a portion that you have given to me? And friends, God tells us how to do this in His Word. And I'm going to spend this last point walking you through four, four points, four ways that we can properly steward our finances from the Word of God. You see them on the back of your bulletin. I think they're numbered one, two, three, and four. First of all, I'm I'm going to take the first two together, one and two together. So we need to do it sacrificially and generously. Sacrificially and generously. Have you ever had someone ask you to do something that they're, they're not willing to do? Doesn't that just poke at you? You're like, man, you're asking me to do something that you won't even do. That's not the case with God. Do you know that when God teaches us to give, we learn that it's only because He's the first giver. (laughs) He's the first giver. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave and man, didn't he give sacrificially? Didn't he give above and beyond and give generously? You know, God had the power just to lord it over us and do whatever he wanted to do. He's God. But instead of doing that, what did God do? He came, he became, he who was transcendent got down on his knee and became imminent. And said, when I give, I'm going to come all the way down to where you are. I'm going to wrap myself in your flesh and blood. I'm going to look you eye to eye. I'm going to get hungry just like you do. I'm going to get thirsty just like you do. I'm going to weep. I'm going to grieve. I'm going to experience pain. And in fact, I'm going to do that so much that I'm going to go to the cross and stretch out my arms and legs. And you want to see what sacrifice looks like? This is what it looks like. Jesus with his arms out and his legs, with nails in his hands and his feet, remembering that it wasn't the nails that held him there, was it? It was our sin that held him there. And he was giving himself as a sacrifice. You see, God demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And he gave generously. Generously he shed his blood, not only for you, 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 but for people all over this world. Christ's blood can cover their sin. He gave generously. Our God does what he asks us to do. He asks us to give generously and sacrificially because that's what he did. And we also remember that church. Described in 2 Corinthians the Macedonian church. I skipped a slide, but I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 3. Argue. It talks about that Macedonian church. It says, For in for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their experience. Extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Friends, what I'm getting ready to say, I'm saying to myself as well as you. Right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we don't understand what persecution looks like compared to this church right here. We don't understand the poverty and the persecution that they were going through. okay? And the Bible tells us in the midst of their poverty and in the midst of their persecution, not only did they give, they gave beyond their means. Because they saw how much the grace of God had affected their lives. And it was the grace of God that affected their heart. It wasn't someone taking their arm and twisting it behind their back and saying, give, give, give. Now, you remember that, that Christmas story movie, right? With Ralphie. you Remember that? And that, that bully grabs that kid by the arm and twists it behind his back. And he says, say uncle. He goes, uncle, 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 uncle. Then he twists it really hard. He goes, uncle! That's coming in December December 24th, 24 hours, one of those channels. He said, uncle, under compulsion, didn't he? Someone had to twist his arm to do that. That's not why these people gave. They didn't give under compulsion. They gave because their heart had been changed by God. They saw how much God had given them. And they said, how can we, even in the midst of our poverty and our persecution, honor God and help this other church in Jerusalem that needs help? So they gave, and they gave beyond their means, the Bible says. And what we learn, friends, is that giving, is if, it, if it's sacrificial and it's generous, that means it's going to involve pain. Some pastors will stand at the pulpit and say, coming to Christ is a painless process. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, count cost, take up your cross and follow me. Just as I suffered, Jesus says, so will you. Don't think for a second, don't think for a second that, that we are greater than our master. <laughs> if Jesus suffered, we will suffer. So there's pain in the process. Was there pain in Jesus's process of going to the cross? Yes. Was there pain in the Macedonian church's process in giving to Jerusalem? Yes. Giving, friends, sacrificially and generously will be painful but here's what Jesus says Matthew 6:21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so one and two sacrificially and generously number 3 worshipfully Matt I appreciate everything you say on Sundays before we come to come to a time of giving Matt reminds us as he did today that giving is an act of worship you know, a lot of times we if, if someone said to you, hey, what are the what are the acts of worship in, in corporate worship? You might say, well, well, praying, singing, the playing of instruments, the reading of the word, the, the preaching of the word, uh, communion, uh, baptism. Oh, but you left something out. Giving. Giving is an act of worship, returning to the Lord a portion that he has given to us. If God is a giver and we are His image bearers, right? Then we too will give back to the Lord. The book of Acts describes the giving of the saints in worship. And it describes it, friends, as an act of worship. We even have a preparation for giving every Sunday here. Reading the scriptures, how they remind us to give. And then finally, we give cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful And this is where it goes back to that second point on stewardship. Uh, I once heard a pastor say it this way. If we view ourselves as owners, it will be hard to give. Listen, if it's hard for you to give, maybe it's because you're viewing yourself as an owner. It's going to be very, very hard for for God to pry your hands open. (laughs) If, if, if they're wrapped around something, if we view ourselves as owners, it's going to be hard to give. Why? Because we battle selfishness. But if we view ourselves as stewards of the gifts of God, we can now give with great joy. We can give cheerfully, knowing that it wasn't even ours to start with, that God gave it to us, and that we are simply managing it in a way that is pleasing to Him. So here's the question. Are you an owner or a steward? And it goes back to this question. What do you have that you did not receive? Friends, what can you take away from this text or these texts? I want you to know that the world is going to teach you the opposite of what I said, the opposite of what the Bible says. The world is going to teach you that everything that you have is yours. Okay, And it personally originated with you. And that you need to hold on to it. You need to decide how to manage it because it's yours. But God says the earth is the Lord's. And that every good gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of light. So instead of owners, God has called us to be stewards of our time, our talents, and our treasures. So here's the question. Are you an owner or a steward? Second question. If you are a steward, are you managing your time, your talents, and your treasures in a God-honoring way? So friends, when it comes to giving, let us be the one who says, God, since you blessed me with these finances, how can I, not as an owner, but as a steward, how can I manage what you have given me in a way that is pleasing to you, honoring to you, and helpful to my neighbor? And we find that God says the answer to that question in four ways. Give sacrificially and give generously. And understand that there's pain in the process. If there's pain for Jesus, if there's pain for this Macedonian church, there's going to be pain for us as well. We are not greater than our Lord. Let us not think that we are. So if there's pain for Him, there will be pain for us. And that generosity, though, It wasn't according to their means. It was actually beyond their means. Give worshipfully. Understanding that when the basket is passed or when you give online or you mail in your gift, that is an act of worship. And go to the Lord in that time and just thank God for what He's given you and thank you for allowing you to give back and then give cheerfully. You're going to have to watch that movie this Christmas. If you find that someone has to twist your arm to give, I encourage you, friend, question your heart and say, am I acting like an owner? Because someone's got to twist my arm to do it. Uncle, uncle, uncle. Uncle! Well, are you giving willfully, cheerfully? knowing that you are a student of the things, a steward of the things of God because Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I have one little story and then we'll close. You ever been going through something in life and God just brings it to your attention over and over and over? And then he says, you need to preach on it. <laughs> well, that's what's happening with me. If you know me, you know that I'm a guy who likes to have a plan and work a plan. I like to know what happens before it happens. Okay? I like to play chess instead of checkers. But a lot of the times the Lord doesn't, doesn't do that. And my issue is that I will be like that owner and I will hold on to something so tightly and I will say, this is what needs to happen with this. This is what needs to happen with with that. And when it doesn't go my way, I get so frustrated. I get so anxious. That's what causes me to stay up at night. I won't go to sleep. But what God has been doing with me, and I'm not just talking about recently, what God has been doing with me for seven years, eight, nine years, is he's, he's, he's been teaching me, Adam, as much as you like to plan, as, as as much as you like to take charge, okay? Adam, you're not the owner. <laughs> you're not the, This this church is not your No church is yours. And I will tell you that God had to rip my hands open over these 9 years. Rip I mean I'm not talking about oh let's just open the hand. Rip my hands open. To get me to the point, and he's still getting me to that point because he's still working on me. To say, Lord, forgive me for acting like this owner. When I pray, you teach me to pray in James, not my will, but thy will be done. I need to manage this, not with closed hands as an owner, but with open hands. Lord, you, you give and take away as you please. And whatever you give me that day, that week, that year, let me use it to honor you and manage things well for you and also to my neighbor. You say, Adam, well, why would you do something like that? Because of this last question. We'll put it on the screen. Hey, Adam, <laughs> what do you have that you did not receive? <laughs> Nothing. Everything I have has been given to me by God. Everything that we have, our time, our talents, our treasures. So, friend, I encourage you this week go before the Lord. First of all, thank Him. Just thank Him for what He's given you. List the time and the talents, the treasures He's given you, and speak back to Him. And then say, God, maybe you're like me. God, I've been holding on way too tight. Don't let it be nine years like Pastor Adam. But bring me to a point where, hey, I can be open-handed and say, Lord, let me steward what you have for me today. Let's pray. God, as we come to, to close a sermon like this, we, we recognize that th- th- this is not easy uh, to learn sometimes. And, and Lord, I'm the prime example of that taking nine years for me Um, so lord i pray for those even in this congregation today who might be struggling with this lord i pray for your grace and mercy to be on them but but i pray god that when we make when we make decisions about our time our talents and our treasure that that we wouldn't be absent from you or your word as we make those decisions may may, may we never say oh i'm going to do this because i want to but may we always come back to Your Word and say, "Hey, I want to do this because God God's Word teaches me to do this, and His Spirit has convinced me and convicted me through the through the Word that this is what I ought to do. This is the way I should live. So, Lord, we lay this before You, and we pray that You would grow us in our faith. We know that that might be a painful process, Lord. We know. We, we think about uh, trees getting trimmed back and, and cut, um, but they get cut in order to grow better. And Lord, if you're cutting me or any right now, we pray, God, that we would be pruned so that we could grow better for you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.